Life is full of personal wins. Whether it's cleaning your house, getting that dream car, or checking off your to-do list, winning at life is a great feeling. And with the State Farm Personal Price Plan, you can keep winning when you create an affordable price just for you by bundling home and auto. So give yourself a round of applause. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Most weight loss plans are one size fits all, not taking into account each person's individual needs. Noom is built for your psychology and your biology, meeting you where you are. Noom Weight uses psychology. That's why they say losing weight starts with your brain. But it also takes into account your unique biological factors, which also affect weight loss success. The program helps you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have cravings. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. Plus, check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available for pre-order wherever books are sold. Now entering Nerdist.com. Here's the cellophane. Wow. Is that good? This is a good fucking cookie. Not, and it's a vegan cookie, and I'm not a vegan, but it's a vegan cookie. I like vegan cookies. I like these vegan are, cookies. These are from well. a company called Alternative Baking Company, and they. Uh, some of the reason I don't. Uh, no, I'm not gonna. They're gonna what? I was gonna talk about somebody. <laughs> Badly. <laughs> not good while we're being recorded. Nah. So, Chris, you have an actual girlfriend? Yeah, she's in the other room, you guys. <laughs> she, uh, she's she's probably here. She probably won't come out. She's always in the other room. She probably won't come out, because, you know. Um, yeah, but, uh, yeah, I have a girlfriend, and we have a lot of sex, uh, with, you know, and... Um, you get all her pussy. Yeah, I get every pussy that okay. a girl would have. I get all of them. I get all of them. When she grows the pussy. Yep, yep, that's <laughs> right. You know, when the man takes that part that... Um, the pee part, right? Yeah, yeah, where he pees right. in her. When the, when the man pees in a woman. The pee hole. Yep, right yeah. in the pee hole. And then he pees thick pee. It's thick, thick pee. pee it, yeah. And then uh, nine weeks later, a baby comes out. <laughs> Hopefully yours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that makes sense. I, I, I think so. Yeah, that's how it works. We're munching cookies. Nothing worse than eating on a podcast. The sound of it. Oh, I would have said cancer. Yeah, there's some things that yeah. are worse. Anything that are worse? Yeah. Name one. <laughs> fucking on a podcast? No. Fucking on a podcast is pretty awesome. If we were fucking on this podcast? Fucking a pile of cancer oh. on the podcast would like be way tumor? worse. What? Yeah, fucking a tumor. Like a vaginist well, tumor. A little like this. Hey, have you ever fucked a tumor? Actually, no. It's delicious. <laughs> no, it's quite nice. What <laughs> point do you taste it? Sometimes I'll just cut it like I'll... I'll be at the morgue or whatever and just like cut a hole in... <laughs> or whatever. Like a dead guy's thigh and just... Not as Close your eyes. Matt, uh, Matthew, Matthew worked at a funeral home, 
Did you? And really? you played a guy who worked there. This is uh, crazy. Uh, will you embalm me? Would I? <laughs> yeah, will you? Yes. Will you promise yeah. you're now to embalm me when I die? Don't you want to get to know the person who's going to embalm you? I feel like a it's better, better. don't. I feel like doing a podcast with someone is a great way to know them. Get to know them. <laughs> this is how you really get to know people. Yeah. Uh, but you, 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 you fight alongside them in war, or you do a podcast. <laughs> but it's really just those two ways. Mm-hmm. Um, Rain Wilson, I, I first met you uh, in the year two, 1999, I think, maybe, or 2000. Mm-hmm. Um, we, I'm uh, remembering 2000. I think right, it was yep. 2000. Okay. Um, we were doing a movie called House of a Thousand Corpses, and um, Rob Zombie uh, put us in a weird room to uh, audition together. With, That's right. With the two girls, Aaron, yeah. Aaron, uh, Aaron Daniels and Jen Jostin. That's right. And I think he ended up putting that footage on the DVD. Did he really? I think that footage of us pretending that we're being attacked by the scarecrow. And like miming driving the car. Yeah, and like at that? the end you go... <laughs> Rain. We get attacked and we're screaming like, "Oh my God, Bill!" And then you just go, "And I'm dead." And you just and you just fell on the ground. <laughs> you actually said the words, "And I'm dead." Can we put that? Let's put that on the podcast. You can do that, right? Yeah, yeah. You can take anything and put it anywhere. There's no there's no uh, licensing issues. Uh, no one whatsoever. makes money off this thing. No, no, no. Movies don't make money either, so yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't yeah. matter. Mm. As we pointed out in last week's podcast, where Back to the Future still hasn't made its money back. That's true. And Harry Potter lost money. That was in yeah. our podcast, so that was a... No, that's the creative podcast. studio accounting yeah. kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, we're still in the red. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really? That's one of the highest grossing films of all time. <laughs> well, we had one of the highest budgets of all time, <laughs> which was about a billion dollars. They built that town. They we spent a trillion dollars on marketing. Literally a trillion. I was about to sing We Built This City, and then I thought, well, you guys will never, you could have to pay for the rights for that. So no, no I think you can. I think you can. You know, if you change one. We of- built this city. On what? What you build it on? We built this city on podcasts. Yes, and the scene yeah. falls in a parody law because you made fun of the song. There we so, go. So that, that's all right. That's totally all right. Yeah, Chris, we had a good time on that movie. I did have um, a great time. It was one of the highlights of my professional career. Are you serious? Yeah, was that your first? Was that your first big? That was your first kind of movie, right? Yeah, I mean, I had been in some small parts in movies, but that was my first like quote unquote lead part. Mm-hmm. I don't know that you'd call Bill Hudley um, <laughs> a lead part in House of a Thousand Corpses. Uh, Rain, I do the James Lipton. Rain, I'd like to talk to Bill Hudley right now. If I... <laughs> May I talk to Bill? Look, I'm just going on a road trip with my crazy friends, just checking out all the haunted areas along the road. Ladies and, and gentlemen, Bill Hudson. Oh, oh, my God. Room. Oh, wow. You just took over. It was so good, I couldn't tell the difference. You just good? took over. I was, it was like I was possessed. <laughs> Rain, what is your favorite swear word? <laughs> Come nuggets. I just want someone to say something weird. Somebody say something weird on that show. Is that show even still on? Yeah, yeah. They're still doing right. Inside the Action. Does he still do it? He's yeah. run out of actors, right? <laughs> just, he did all of them. Billy Joel. I saw that. Oh yeah, that was an, that's an older one. That I'm gonna not sneeze. Bad. <coughs> Bless Gesundheit. you. Bless you. It's a sneeze cast, and you know what? I just sneezed some well, cookie. Some no, I'm gonna wash my hands off. Okay. Keep going with the wild. Wow. Rain. Rain built this city on sneezing snacks. Ooh, I enjoyed the Joel, Billy Joel one. That's I think sneezing snacks good. would be a great idea. If you could put some sort of a powder in your nose and then you sneeze a snack into your hand. Wow. It'd be sort of like... Um, <laughs> like it comes out. Like a real yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. It comes out like a gummy worm. It's yeah. just like a jello powder and then you mm-hmm. sneeze and, you, and the, your body fluid activates the jelly powder. I had a dream the other night that I sneezed out out of my nose a, a lemon. 
That's and a problem. It, it hurt really bad, and I woke up and I had the worst headache of my life. Maybe it's a tumor. Should we fuck it? I should. You should Why? probably. Get, <laughs> you should probably get a CAT scan. No, you should seriously go to a doctor about that because no, your body right is now. telling you something. Maybe right now. It'll blow over. Jonah, no, I can't open those. Uh, one eyeball is drifting to the other uh, no, extreme. That's what I call it, my, uh, my Biggie Smalls style of okay. eyeballs now. Okay. I just want them to kind of drift off to the side. Well, it's working. Yeah, I'm going to start just like leaning back every time I talk, too. But Jonah, half your face looks like it's melting off your skeleton. Mm-hmm. Is that is that normal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I'm really not into symmetry anymore. Do you smell toast? <laughs> All the time. What's the clear viscous fluid coming out of your left ear? Uh, party sauce. <laughs> <laughs> Sneezing snacks. Party. Good to be fine. <laughs> Um, so we had a good time working on House of a Thousand Corpses, and then you, uh, at the time, by the way, did you, do you, do people still say Fishboy? Yeah, yeah, fish sure. Jokes? Are you All still? Still. All the time. I love it that, you know, there's about, I get stopped, obviously, for the office all the time. People go, oh, yeah, the office. But there's still like 5% of the people out there. They'll see me and I'm like, oh, you're the guy. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, the office. And they're like, fish boy. <laughs> I still get and, Dr. Uh, Satan. I still get Dr. Satan. Dr. Satan, Dr. Satan. Yeah. I still get it, yeah. Yep. Um, that was in the trailer for that movie. It was. Oh, yeah. Yep. Uh, that, was, that was great. That was such a good time. That was a good time. Have you, You've done other Rob Zombie. I did a little thing in Halloween too, but I, I just played a... Uh, I just played like a just talk a show host. Like I didn't, I didn't get horribly, brutally slaughtered. Yeah. Which I'm kind of. I think everyone. I think every actor should do a horror movie once. once. Yeah, um, you start doing it more than once, then they then you're Tony Todd or something. <laughs> but not only that, <laughs> but but it, uh, but it <laughs> Tony Todd. What a great reference! He's Candyman. Yeah, he's one of my favorite horror actors. But he's. Uh, uh, but anyway, I, I spent like five hours in makeup getting appliances done for when my chest gets ripped open. And I step out of the trailer, and they're like, "We're not going to get to you today." And so I had to go back in. It was another hour and a half. Oh, that's but I, brutal! I know, but I remember, and I had a horrible panic attack. We talked about this before. I had a horrible oh, panic yeah, attack when they tried to model my face. I had that. I had that same thing happen. You did? Yeah, I've had a panic attack when they put. Did they put the putty over your? They face? They put the putty over my face, and as soon as they covered my ears and my eyes, and there was just a little straw sticking out of my nose, I I had a meltdown. Did you tear it off your face? I tore it off my face. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I did the same thing. I did the same thing. I had it. They put it on my face from another thing that I did, and they, they pour this lick, this thick goop all over your face because they're and then it hardens and then they make a cast out of your face. It's like that dental imprint stuff, right? Like they, they, it's, it's very much like that. And um, and they're like, it's okay. I'm gonna. I'm right here. I'm keeping your nose passages clear. I'm gonna keep your nose passages clear. I'm right here. And they didn't do the straws. They just literally like they did fingers. Oh they were just like keeping. And then they poured it on. It just went right into my nose. Uh, oh, shit. It was like, where's the nose passage? There's clear part of the equation. So my entire ears, nose, eyes, mouth was completely covered in goop. Oh. And I was like... <laughs> and I was tearing at it. Yeah, yeah, I did the same uh, thing. And now uh, I can't do it again. Yeah, no, I'm because... Gone. I'm gone. Because you know how horrible it's going to get. Yeah, yeah. I heard Kyle LaBeouf complaining about that really? once. And he was bitching. When they go to put it on his face, he go, no, 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 no. <laughs> he was like... I used the one from Indiana Jones. I'm not sitting again. That's what he said. Just I can't. I don't think I could even handle just the nose passages though, because I have allergies and my nose would just start plugging You'd up. You'd sneeze from, a lemon. Yeah, exactly. Right. It wouldn't come out because everything would be hardened. No. Do we know for a fact is Shia LaBeouf related to Sabrina LaBeouf from uh, uh, who played? Uh, uh, was, was yeah, it, absolutely. Wasn't yeah. she on the the Cosby Show? 
Yeah. <laughs> she played the oldest Cosby sister, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, Sandra? Yeah, I think Sandra. she played Sandra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Elvin. They're not related? I don't believe so. All right. I just feel like LaBeouf is an uncommon name. I'm going to stick to this. I'm going to prove it sooner <laughs> or later. If I have to abandon everything else that's going on in my life to just prove that thing. That's where the downward fall Chris like Hardwick started. Could, you could easily prove or disprove that with like a phone call. Hey, uh, Nerd America, if you could see this, the... Um, the microphone that they're using to record this uh, podcast <laughs> is uh, pretty high tech, but it's sitting on top of an issue of Martha Stewart Living. Well, Rain, that's with because bright ideas for fall, tempting tricks and tempting treats for the happiest Halloween ever. Don't you want um, tempting tricks for the happiest Halloween ever? I, I'm I I should get up and leave right now. How dare well, you? Well, if you do, you're gonna you're gonna miss candy bar desserts and grown up grilled cheese. Why so. do you have Martha Stewart Living in your house? Because I <laughs> she's not really here. It's a court order. <laughs> After the whole thing with the with the with the, uh, the stock market, and this is thing. not an old one. This is October two thousand ten. Oh, this is an I future. This is. <laughs> oh my god! It hasn't happened yet. <laughs> you guys, I know what's going to happen on Halloween now. Wait a minute! I just blew your nerd cred. Well, I do. I do have a girlfriend, and this proves it. Um, and uh, now I'm going to have to hit her when you guys leave. <laughs> um, she would kick me through the wall. Nerds yeah. don't hit their girlfriends. They just. They stab them in World of Warcraft. No, she knows how to kickbox. Janet knows how to kickbox. So you know, you only know how to box. So. Yeah, exactly. So she, so her legs have a much farther reach than. Yeah. Um, so you got two more appendages on you that she can use. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would, I would get put away immediately. But, but, but really though, I mean, Martha Stewart is living, and um, that's why you're here, Rain. I want to talk to if you. If Martha Stewart was dying, would you embalm her, Matt? <laughs> sure, sure. I would love to. Well, I would only, I'm, only, I'm only an assistant. I think Martha Stewart should have a magazine, Martha Stewart Dying. That would be awesome. That's what That's they should have made the Halloween episode. <laughs> Wait, we still have time. Oh, my God. This hasn't happened time. yet. October 2010 hasn't <laughs> happened yet, you guys. My son is five years old, and it scares him when I make the scary laugh. Really? <laughs> yeah. And he says, don't laugh. And he doesn't like, when I laugh at all, he, he recoils because my scary laugh like freaks him out. You want to hear it? Yes. <laughs> rain, stop it, Rain! <laughs> rain, stop it! That was really scary. He really, he literally gets scared at it. Do you, do you, you have two children or, or one? I have one. He's a boy. He's You're... almost six. His name's Walter. Yeah, I know. I know like Walter. I remember when he was. I remember when he was a baby. You and Holiday. Um, I remember when that happened. That's how long you I delivered the baby. Yes, I did. That's right. Everyone remembers when. As Doctor Satan. As Doctor Satan. Well, because I, he had all the tools <laughs> sure. to cut people sure. open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it seemed it seemed appropriate. Yeah. And when your wife, after she went into labor for five hours, uh, I came out and I was like, "We're not going to get to you today." And then uh, we made her come back the next day. When we were shooting corpses, you were talking about a sketch group or a show that you were working on. I think it was called New Bozina. Did you ever do that? Yeah, you know, um, the New Bozina was um, this really weird sketch comedy performance art clown show that we did in New York. I did with a bunch of friends. And we did an off-Broadway play. And that's what brought us out to Los Angeles was we did the play in L.A. Mm-hmm. And from the play, we got a deal at Fox and I got a manager and we tried to turn it into a, a TV show. They, they, we turned it into a really bad pilot at Fox, which is in a vault somewhere. Um, which was basically they tried to turn it into like Alf. What? Wow. Yeah, a sketch so, show like an Alf. Yeah, well, it was like this these weird clown characters, and we tried to base the clown the show off these weird clown characters. But they tried to make it oh, like the weird clowns move into a normal family. <laughs> hey, do you think so, maybe it's already good? <laughs> <laughs> that <letter> already good. <laughs> You're there. Um, 
Hey, do you think maybe these clowns could uh, have an appetite for cats? <laughs> no, that was they, they did that, that on genuine, Alf. Please, that was a genuine laugh. Like, it's like, oh, that's great. That's <laughs> it was very genuine. It was, it was not ironic. Were trying. That, that worked at Fox. Well, yeah. yeah. So you, so that show did you shot a we, pilot? With we did a pilot, and that was a long time ago. And then we did a short film about five or six years ago that I directed that. I just have never been quite happy with, and so we keep tinkering with it. Believe it or not, I'm still editing it. I oh, shot wow. it about five or six years ago. Holy we shit. did a version, but now I'm doing a different, shorter version, and pretty soon we'll, we'll put that out there on the interwebs, and uh, so oh, people can enjoy it. It's a, and we're thinking about, the film right now is about 18 minutes long, but I think I'm going to cut it down to about like 11, do like the 11 or 12 minute version. Yeah. Um, and uh, we're thinking about getting the actually doing the show again because it's uh, it's such a great the theater piece itself is a is a great fucked up wonderful piece of theater. What are those actors all doing? Are they are they still they're um, they're all performing? Um, they all live in New York. One of them's a blue man. Um, and <laughs> the other two of them, awesome. uh, yeah. And the other two of them, he was actually the fifth blue man. There were original. There was three blue men, and then there was the fourth, the the sub blue man. He was number five. Now there's like 87 blue men yeah, all over the world. How did they? How did, I mean, I know there was the the, the, I mean, the great uh, blue uh, the blue man uh, subplot on Arrested Development. Yeah. But but how do they? How do they audition blue? Man? Like how do you audition for a blue man? Do you, well, have, you have to have, go in? And, the, well, they, Armisen, they, Armisen was a blue man. He was. Yeah, because Armisen was a blue man. Like drummers. He was a drummer at Blue Man, but I don't yeah. think he was an actual blue man. Do they make oh, okay. Do they make you like pick up a pipe and look puzzled by it? Like yeah. that's, that's, those guys always <laughs> just puzzled. Like whoa, whoa <laughs> this is a pipe. <laughs> I have the craziest. This is the best. If you ever get Jason Jason Sudeikis on this podcast, he has the funniest blue man story. And to me, this story is what life is all about because Jason Sudeikis wanted more than anything else in the world to be a blue man. (laughs) He was convinced. And this is no joke. I mean, he'll talk about it. He talks about it almost with tears in his eyes. Like, it's not even ironically. No, no, no. He wanted to be a blue man. He wanted to be on cutting edge performance art theater uh, and music. He loved the spectacle of it. He um, was doing Second City in uh, Las Vegas, and every year he would audition for the Blue Men, and every year he would get rejected. (laughs) And he was mostly rejected for his drumming, because you have to actually be a really good drummer. You have Mm -hmm. to be an actor drummer. And he was taking drum lessons, and this and that, and like he just was not naturally a very good drummer. But he would... He would come back and they'd be every year, you know, like, hi, Jason, hi, I'm back again. <laughs> and it's like, and then he kept not getting it. And he was really like hitting his head against the wall. Like, what, what, God, what do you want from me? World, what am I supposed to do? I want, I just want to be a blue man. How can I not get in here? And then he was like, oh, Second City's calling you back to the main stage in Chicago. Oh, they're hiring writers for Saturday Night Live. And he got on his writer and now, and now he's... Uh, dating January Jones. So, <laughs> so do you think that he'd be dating January Jones if he had become a blue man? Yeah, he would have been happy. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yes, I, I feel like fate brings people together. She would have been in Vegas at a show. I'm like, I can't believe this agent is making me go see the blue She would have been doing uh, Avenue Q with the puppets <laughs> down the street. And, uh, and they would have... Uh, he would have bumped into her and just like, sorry about the blue paint I got on you, and then uh, right. uh, and then they would have yeah. uh, they would have fallen in love. But I love that story because you never know which way the world is going to take you. Yeah, you know? and it's also an inspiring story because 
I feel like most people who start performing in Vegas, like, they stay in Vegas. Yeah. You know, because I think Vegas is probably... Much like their activities. Yes. It's like, everything's... (laughs) Yes, exactly. The work that happens... If you perform in Vegas, it stays in Vegas. Here's a great. There's there's a great Vegas story I just read. Um, my uh, my editor at Wired sent me this link on um, the, the the new uh, the new hotel they built in the city center. Uh, they, they built. It's just it has this curved body and it's all and it's all glass. Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, it, uh, it it gets sexier. <laughs> so it's like half as big. There's a there's a there's an area that if you're sitting by the pool, it focuses the sun on you like a death ray. And so people were sitting there, and then all of a sudden, like, they would start to smell burning hair and realize that they were being singed, and, like, plastic was melting, because it, it's, like, 20 degrees hotter. Oh, oh man, so they, that's fantastic. And so they have to figure out how to go in and, and fix it so that... Uh, Boom. Problem solved. Solar panels. Provide enough electricity for the entire hotel. Boom. Problem done, solved. Done. Yes. Done. Exactly. Done. Wasn't that what happened with the Luxor, you know, originally was that golden uh, glass, like, mirror... Um, color before it was black and it was affecting the flights uh, yeah. coming in to Las Vegas because oh, really? at certain times of the day it would just reflect back and they couldn't see anything. It would blind yeah, that was all that was, blind blind. that was that weird succession of horrible plane crashes just outside Las Vegas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was like I, a month. I called it Langoliers. That's what I thought it was. <laughs> I thought it wasn't. Sounded nice. like Rice Krispies. <laughs> there was that and then um, and then the God Amon Hotep waste until they repainted yeah. the uh, Raw was very upset that very, day. very, very upset. upset. You make this hotel black. <laughs> Gold is my color. Um so then from from Corpses, which was a lot of fun and took, I don't know, a few years to actually come out, but then you uh, then you did pop up on Six Feet Under, which I watched, and uh, and you were great on the show. And oh, it was just sort of like, I remember having a conversation with Rob about it, because like, Rob was like, have you seen Rain on Six Feet Under? And I was like, yeah, I just saw the, I just saw the first time, and he was like, holy shit. And, you know, we were both... I don't think Rob really thought I could act. I just he just thought I was like an adorable dork to stick in his movie. <laughs> Saw it in half. So. I don't know when he because I, uh, I the only reason I got the part in House of Thousand Corpses is because I was friends with Rob, and it what the, like clearly he, yeah well I um Earth and so he uh, so I he was I was privy to the casting process and he was like mm-hmm. oh. And there's this, this guy came in. He's really funny, and he's got these glasses, and he looks kind of seventies, and he's really hilarious, and and uh, and and it worked out really well. It worked out good for all of us. Now, when you were auditioning for the office, were they like, Rain? Um, can you pretend you're being attacked by a scarecrow? They did. Creature? They did actually. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. Uh, we're gonna put you in this fish makeup, mm-hmm, fish mm-hmm. fish makeup. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like fish would wear. Yeah, and Steve Carell dressed up like Otis. Yeah, and we uh, and uh, and Jenna Fisher dressed up like Baby. Hey, and we just did a little reenactment. That's fantastic. Uh, Greg Daniels was a huge fan of the movie. So. That'd be great if every job had there. Like someone was like, "Would you do the Fish Boy thing?" Like, come on, when is that gonna? That was really just that was really just like five hours of you sitting in one place, right? Yeah, I just sat with a, in a table with a hole in it and just pretended to be sawed in half. It was pretty awesome. That was pretty awesome. Yeah. Did you? Uh, Those guys are like, I didn't see. No, it. I, I didn't saw see it. the movie. Yeah. I saw it. I liked it because I liked uh, Sam Haig a lot. Sid Haig. Sid Haig. Sid Haig. And yeah. um, I'm, trying, I'm trying to remember the uh, the dude that was in it uh, that was also in Devil's Rejects that was from uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part Two. Oh, Leatherface. Uh, no, no. <laughs> no. You're talking about Bill. Is that Bill Mosley? Bill Mosley. Yeah. Yeah. Chop Chop. Yeah. Yeah. He was Chop Chop. Yeah. Big fan of his. 
Yeah, he's so great. much that I can remember his name whenever I want. I'm a fan of people. I don't fucking remember names. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'd love to. Uh, I, I'd love to talk about your sort. Like, do, what scares me the most about this business is just the concept of like, oh, ever just being an actor. Because I feel you feel like you're so at the mercy of a business that that uh, because people get jobs for a lot of reasons. And it's not always. You know, sure. Not always the most talented person gets the job, and I'm sure you were up for many things before you before you kind of well, hit. A new, a new actor on The Office got cast because of the stunts he did on YouTube. <laughs> really? Nice. Yeah. This guy, uh, Mark, uh, I can't even pronounce his last name. He did these amazing YouTube videos called uh, Kenny Strasser, K. Strauss, mm-hmm. the Yo-Yo Master. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yes. on a, the oh. bus. And he was yeah. crashing all those, awesome. news, those news shows. Yeah. yeah. So he was pretending to be, uh, if you guys are listening to this podcast, you got to go just Google uh, Yo-Yo Master, yeah. Kenny Strasser. And he was going on local news shows pretending to be a, a really depressed Yo-Yo Master. But he didn't actually know anything about Yo-Yos or how to use them. And he just he just he just puts he just pulls the leg of whatever local newscaster yeah. is there. He's still he does it for a while too. He talks about how he goes and he does the motivational speaking at yeah. schools with yo-yos. But it really is well, it's well done to the point where you if you didn't know you'd kind of be like oh my god I think that guy just had a meltdown yeah on, yeah. The, on the news. <laughs> he does it really sad. He always talks about how his father died last year and he's going through a lot of depression yeah. and stuff. Like that. That's so good. <laughs> <It's really laughs> You didn't think that stuff could still be like that good after you know Borat and after something yeah. everyone kind of just did it the best and then this guy just is perfect at it. It's so good that yeah. something came out of that. But you're right, Chris, because you you you're an actor in LA and you've got your headshot and you're waiting for the phone to ring and that's it's just a ter- that's a terrible way to do it. I would if I didn't have stand up comedy and uh, a career that I made up in podcasting mm-hmm. <laughs> a career a career in podcast I know that you really have a career in podcasting I think yeah exactly you just turned on a recording <laughs> device but um, yeah I feel like I, I would probably go crazy so how do you you know how do you kind of navigate those emotional waters when you're when you're out here and, and you know and, and acting is like your is your main thing well yeah I mean this is I, I'm the same as you like I saw right away like you know what I am I am going to put a gun in my mouth if I just sit around waiting for the phone to ring to get an audition for CSI Miami mm-hmm. uh, so I need to kind of do things myself so I started writing scripts and, and directing little things and and just you know creating my own stuff so that's 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 what's kind of keeps me you know that's what really feeds me yeah. you know um and and it's and it's great. And then you know, and then the office worked out. And now, you know, I've been producing some things and writing some things, and it's it's really cool. Do, are you are you are you going to do that thing that a lot of really funny comedy actors do when they get much older in like twenty years? Are going to be like, I don't want to be known for comedy anymore. Is it going to be the Chevy Chase thing? Where, like in twenty years, if, if people are still like Dwight, Dwight, and you're like, fucking, I, don't fucking call me that. Like, you're going <laughs> to you're gonna flip out. I'm totally going to do that. I want to do that. But I do have a thing about people calling me Dwight. It just fucking pisses me off Dwight yo Dwight Dwight it's like my name isn't fucking Dwight it's a character that I play you know what I mean that documentary you do yeah (laughs) what's it like to work at that paper company well you know an airplane pilot doesn't walk through the concourse and you don't go like yo flight yo Alaska 5730 yo Alaska 5730 there's actually footage of uh, you know Matt LeBlanc freaking out just the other week about being called Joey uh, no pop, kidding. Pop guy called him Joey, and he just like, berated the dude. Was it? He didn't get violent or you know punchy. Just he's like, that was a long time ago, and I don't do that anymore. Was it for, no, no. Was it for the show he's doing? That 
is a possibility. Because he's doing a show where he plays himself. Really? Oh, maybe that oh, was, He's doing a show on... Uh, maybe you just got pumped. Uh, I just got Joey. You got Joey. <laughs> but don't call me that. <laughs> he's, he's doing a show He's doing a show where he plays himself. I saw a commercial for it. I can't remember what it's called. But oh, episodes. Episodes. Yes, I saw that. Yeah. Episodes. And he's sitting in the thing and he's like, what if Brian... He's talking about Ross and Rachel. It's really weird. I mean, I hope it's, I hope it's, a, I hope it's a funny show. But, uh, <laughs> but people still yell Jenny McCarthy at me. Like, I'll be like, I'll go. was 15 years ago. Jenny McCarthy! He doesn't even look like her. So no, <laughs> not anymore. He not anymore. Not since, I, not since I, you know, I mean, lost those kids. at least yell Carmen Electra. No, no. Or, you know, it started to shift to Olivia Munn because of G4, which I feel like, you know, like, if you can if you can survive a couple of different uh, girl hosts that people try to associate you with, then that means you've been doing it for a long time. And so I sort of took right. that as a milestone. Like, ah, I didn't just... I saw you years ago and I yelled uh, MTV Beach House Tiki God. Yes. You didn't turn around though. I didn't. No. <laughs> I love that Tiki God. I made him do the outgoing message on my voice machine. Really? <laughs> yeah. That guy's name was Andy. Uh, oh, he worked for The Tonight Show years later. Anyway. Um, but... Uh, do you feel like, um, you know, do you feel like it would have been easier or harder? I feel like it probably would have been harder like 20 years ago when, when, when there wasn't as much media crossover and there's no internet and there's no, you really are just kind of like, well, you're either an actor or you're a host or you're a theater actor and then that's yeah. it. Yeah, it would have been way harder. There's way more opportunities for actors to do stuff now. You know, when I, when I go around and talk to young actors, like... Um, <laughs> <clears throat> no, but occasionally, you know, I'll, I don't know, I'll speak someplace and people will be like, I'm an actor, what should I do? And it's like, you just have to take charge of your own career. Mm-hmm. That's what you have to do. And just, you know, I wish I had something more profound to say. I don't, I, that's all I have to say, too, when people are like, I want to do stand-up. How do I do it? I'm yeah. like, well, you get up in front of Start people and you tell jokes. writing jokes. Yeah, it's, just, it's just better to just like do as much as you can on your own. Because it's never about like one thing getting into another. It's just about being ready for that random time someone says, hey, can you do this? And you're like, yeah, I've been doing it this whole time on my own. Now I'm going to be able to do it for you. I guess it's hard because some people don't really know how to be proactive as an actor and I think that's why people kind of get caught up in acting class loop because it's like where it's like at least with stand up I can go do shows. Yeah. But it's not like, well, I'm going to go put up a scene at yeah. uh, the coffee house. I mean, you can, but then people... How much do you get, <laughs> how much you get paid for doing a stand up gig? Um, it's a lot more now than it was a few years ago. Uh, it's, the, the average, it's not bad. The average like, I just wanted to like savor the discomfort in the air by asking. <laughs> you know what's really like funny about asking, here's what's asking really, about the money? Here's what's really funny about talking about. Here's what's funny about talking about money. You can talk about money in extremes and it's socially acceptable. Like you can say, "Yeah, make minimum wage," or you can say. Uh, Brad Pitt got twenty million dollars for a movie, but when you get into that mid range where you're talking like anywhere ten thousand here and yeah, five thousand anywhere up to a few hundred thousand dollars or a million dollars, like it's weird to talk about it for some reason. I don't know why that is. I, I when I was younger and, and a lot more naive, I used to go around saying how much I made in a year and be like, why can't people? I, I would go up to people, how much do you make in a year? How much did you make last year? <laughs> like I would use that as an icebreaker, and people would see. <laughs> that might be because I'd be like, because I was so principled, I would be like. You can't fucking... Why can't we fucking talk about that? That might be an ice creator. That might be an ice creator. I don't know if... <laughs> it did that a little bit now when I asked you how much you made yeah. for stand-up. I was like, uh, well, I mean, you, you know... Found, you found a worse question than, uh, so what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> so you tell jokes or well, whatever? I mean, the, like the average road comic... Maybe you don't know them, but the average road comic is like what sixty grand a year. Maybe. Well, it depends on how many shows. Like, a, like low, low end. Uh, like, no, a, you can make a lot. Well, you know, I'm just talking average about the average. One, the average probably road still comic. makes more than that. No, 
If uh, it low low end, yeah. like low end, more entry level headliners will probably get like fifteen hundred or two grand for a weekend. Yeah, you know, for well, a week for a week. Yeah, it's so Tuesday or Wednesday through Saturday or or Sunday, and then you know. Yeah. Guys, uh, and and then when 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 people and Jim Gaffigan, he makes two hundred grand in a weekend. I mean, in a day, <laughs> in a, on a Saturday. I don't know what his guy fucking shits and makes two hundred grand. Yeah, he shits. He literally shits money. I don't think he's okay. <laughs> That's what his character does on my boys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, uh, I, I'm also fascinated by the, the idea that uh, that you started Soul Pancake, mm-hmm. which I found not. I mean. Not only, not only content. It's a, it's. I always use it as a model for like, you know, it's like when we're talking. What not to do. No, okay. exactly what to do. Because <laughs> we're, you know, we started um, this. We're sort of experimenting with a social network off the Nerdist site, and I literally said to the people when we were kind of putting together, like, you need to look at Soul Pancake. It's perfect because it, it's a great. It's it's interesting subject matter, and it gets people talking and asking questions and interacting and. Um, but the, the the site design is gorgeous. Like the art, the the, the rotating images in the background are incredible. Yeah, yeah. I got to turn you on to that guy, Mike Mitchell. That's Mike Mitchell. Yeah, okay. yeah. Not the Mike Mitchell who directs Shrek Four. There's another Mike Mitchell. But I always get those two mixed Mike up. Yes, <laughs> it's true. It happens. <laughs> but thank you for saying that. Yeah, it's been a you know it was just a passion project of mine. Of like once I got well known, I wanted to do something like on the internet that was really positive. I didn't want to just do a comedy site and, um, and I, you know, I, I just wanted to, I wanted to create something on the web that I would have really liked when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. Like something when I was 17 years old and I was like dealing with life's big questions because I was, I was a nerd on so many different levels but I was also a nerd that like read about Buddhism. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I was like in philosophy mm-hmm. and I was going to be a philosophy major and, and I was really struggling with life's big questions and dealing with them. And I, I wanted to have philosophy kind of come alive and be more relevant. So that's why I started Soul Pancake was, you know, there's no place on the web for young people, especially to kind of like dig into what it is to be human. If you've got questions or problems, some girl today just posted, because we have a thing called um, the question collective where mm-hmm. you can post your own life's big questions. And so People, users are constantly posing. It's like Yahoo Answers only for, you know, philosophy. And uh, this girl was, like, posting about dealing with depression, you know, and then all these people were answering her. And then she had this forum for, you know, really digging in deep to, you know, to what it was to to be depressed and to process the feelings that she had. And uh, I think that's pretty cool. But it's... uh, Anytime you deal with something that has to do with spirituality and philosophy, it's pretty much a money losing proposition. <laughs> but 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 also like that. But did you see the Oprah. did you see the video on the internet of the fro- of the chimp who fucks the frog in the mouth? Because that the internet has that too. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's what I was going to say. Does the uh, negativity that is rampant on the internet ever ever like flow into? Your, we had things? a couple of trolls, but now and then we put in a flagging feature, and then they've just been gone. It's been so really the positive. pretty much protects the, themselves. It, yeah, absolutely, and it's been really positive. Like. The people are. We have atheists and born again Christians and Mormons and people from all over the world. No and, Jews. Um, <laughs> no Jews. No Jews allowed. That's on the heading. over eighteen. It's one of those. It's not. Like it's not soul latkes. Jews. <laughs> Jews. Blacks and dogs not allowed. No, no dogs. No. No dogs allowed. Um, no, but but it, but it's such it was such an interesting it was it was such an interesting use of uh, of, of a website that you know 
that seemed very very thoughtful on your part of that's something that was really interesting to do and 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 I always I look at it and 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 I I I've been um, the guy who who your content manager I can't remember his name who Devin no no there's another guy um, My manager. Devin. He's like a content manager. He was an editor. He was editing. He was editing. He reposted some stuff from my website to yours, and I thought it was awesome because I, because you know my at the time, you know my site was relatively new and it, it was just sort of dumb and geeky. And then you you have this really altruistic site <laughs> that's really. I was a philosophy major, by the way. Oh, were you? Yeah. All right. It would have made you leave school if you were a philosophy major. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Did you leave school? I did. Yeah. Well, there you go. Because you you start questioning the value of everything, and then all of a sudden you're like. Well, why am I in class? Yeah, and yeah. how can you grade me for yeah. the ideas that so, I came up with? So the answer to the last big question is just leave? Yep, every time. <laughs> give up. Yeah. That's what my dad taught me when he went out for cigarettes. Walk away. Yeah. <laughs> it's all a crock of shit. It's all a bunch of crap. So is, is Soul Pancake, uh, I mean, are, are, I feel like that's... I feel like that's a thing you could turn into a show or... Well, that's what we're trying to do. we got Soul Pancake. Um, we're doing some webisodes for um, the Popra. <laughs> uh, we're uh, for Oprah.com and OWN, and um, that we're hoping to turn that into a TV show. But it's uh, really interesting stuff. We're going to do some on the street stuff and kind of some guerrilla spiritual, artistic, creative challenge uh, endeavors for the web. We have a book coming out November second. Soul Pancake, the book, which is like a, you know that book, The Artist's Way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you can you write and it gives you challenges to do and it engages you. It's kind of like that. It's kind of a workbook that you can carry around that has really cool, beautiful art in it and ways of engaging with the reader. And Where do you a, send it to to get graded? <sighs> fucking UCLA Dodd Hall Philosophy Department. <laughs> That uh, Chris Hardwick's going to grade them. He's a I'm going to grade every book. It's just going to be a pile of books. And you just got your red pen. You need another red pen. Smiley face. Yeah, it's, like, it's, like, it's like when Olivia Munn said she would sign if you sent in her Playboy issue. Oh, yeah. She would sign it. And G4 it was just like instantly. It was like that episode of The Simpsons where all the, where they all write the letter to Itchy and Scratchy and Mar- Marge gets them censored. <laughs> it was just like mail trucks and then just boxes of fucking Playboys oh, man. that they had, to, they had to deal with. Yeah, that, that, that may not. That, I, I may not get that kind of traffic but uh, but, <laughs> but if someone sends me their soul pancake for your, dog, for, your it. for your playboy spread yeah for my playboy spread <laughs> god damn it one of these days you guys one of these days and everything's gonna be gravy <laughs> um, but do you feel that uh, I mean are you I mean I assume you're a pretty spir- spiritual guy yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I I have a spiritual practice. Uh, sure, that's it's important to me. But 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 the thing that's most important to me than that is is the fact that you know um, you know one of the reasons we started Soul Pancake was literally this conversation I had with Ed Helms, and I quote this in the beginning of the book where you know it, we just launched an early version of the site, and Ed Helms was like, "So what is this Soul Pancake business?" And I was like, "Well, it's a site that's that's." seeking to explore creativity and spirituality. And he said, well, those two things are kind of mutually exclusive, aren't they? Interesting. And, and, I, and I, I kind of thought about it. And I was like, wow, this is, then, this is now my mission because I really believe that, you know, we live in such a compartmentalized society. You know, we have our work, we have our uh, spiritual beliefs or, or not, um, our friendships, our, our, our creative life, our hobbies, you know, our, our family. Like, they're all of these different boxes. And this is only in the modern world. Like throughout human history, all of these things have been woven together. Whereas spirituality, social life, 
um, how you are in the world, what you create. It's all part of your identity of what it is to be a human being. Mm -hmm. So I'm more about that. I'm more about the fact that I'm a spiritual being, but when I play Dwight, that's a spiritual act mm -hmm. because I'm entertaining. I'm being of service to people. Um, and uh, my, my, I want to be the same person everywhere I go, whether I'm sitting with you guys, I'm sitting with my wife, I'm uh, praying and meditating, whatever it is, it's the same guy who's having the same spiritual experience as he moves through the world. And there's this quote I love that um, we're not human beings uh, having a spiritual experience, we're spiritual beings having a human experience. And that's... Uh, I don't know who said it, some jackass. But I think that that's how I view it, that we are spiritual beings uh, in the physical world having a human experience. And uh, I think that's, it's fucking awesome. It's great. But we've so lost track of that. And now it's, it's about political parties and, and volunteer groups and the hobbies that you do and you work that you hate and the relationship that you want to get out of and your family is this. And, you know, all of these different boxes but we have to, like, I believe, you know, part of the big mission of ourselves as human beings in this day and age is to, uh, is to have, it all, have it all flow together and see it all as the same thing. Nature. I, I talk about how, um, in, the, in my opening essay, I talk about how, like, you know when you walk through a museum and you walk through all the boring shit on your way to get to the, like, exciting mm -hmm. paintings that you really want to see? And there'll be, like, some jug from, like, some uh, Eskimo tribe sitting there in a little, little plaque about the jug. Yeah. But, like, if you ever stop and look at those, like, Eskimo jugs, they'll be like, okay, here's a jug, and on the side is painted a mountain, and this is the mountain where the tribe lived underneath, and they believed its ancestors were from there, and it used this jug to transport water from the river that's drawn on there, you know, that flowed down from the mountain, and it was used in ceremonial rites, and the artist put his imprint here, and there's his signature, and you can tell it's a certain artist. And you realize, like, there's no compartmentalization there. Like, this work of art is everything. It's everything. It's an expression of that artist. It's an expression of that person's spirituality. It's expression of their creativity. It expresses their tribe and who they are, their, their ancestors, their connection to nature. It all flows through this one little jug that you walk by when you're walking through a museum. And to me, that's what... Spirituality is such a bummer of a word. I wish there was a better word. It's like soulfulness, soul, soul connectedness, where all of these things are in, like spirit you, boner. They're spirit butter. Spirit boner. <laughs> spirit boners. Spirit boners. Well, but you use spirit, spirit butter, butter to be able to, 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 to lube your spirit boner. But I think. But you know what? It's interesting. <laughs> I will say. But no, but this that's is it. I, but it's okay. See, this is the point: is but, that you can have a spirit boner for what I just talked about. Like it's, it doesn't. Um, I'm so hard right now. Oh my god, the, I can feel that. Um, did you feel the table move? Yeah, I did. So, uh, but this is this is it. Like what you guys are doing, you're creating comedy. You're commenting on culture. You you are not showering, obviously. <laughs> like whatever it is that you guys do, like it's it's it, it's so cool, and it's a part of being alive and and being human, and that's what we have to embrace. Well, so it's not anything that that keeps you away from being soul deadened i'll tell you you know just two 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 things number one i have a weird kind of ocd thing that i do when i go through museums if i were to stop and look at that jug i force myself a lot of times to read everything about the jug. i read not only do i read everything about the jug word for word and i make sure that i that i fully understand it it's like a job i feel like when i go to museums because i feel like i have to do that but the other thing i do is 
I, I look at that thing and I think, well, this jug has survived, or let's just your jug example. This mm-hmm. jug has survived for you know uh, the, uh, three thousand three three thousand years, and I just imagine, and I, I literally feel the smallness of my life compared to it because I feel like all these things that have happened, like anything in history that we've ever heard of, and you know, for probably two thousand years, that jug was just sitting yeah. in the ground, just as it is, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and 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 it it. it has existed its entire the entire time on this earth, and all of these things have happened, and it still survived. And here it is. Like I have these weird kind of like I existential thought, artifact moments. When they found that Ice Man. Oh I, yeah, I was like, whoa! Like Caesar, Rome had fallen, and he was he was he was just in there, just just uh, just frozen away. Yeah, you don't think three thousand years from now people are going to be listening to the Nerdist podcast? Well, yes, I think it will be their new object. Aliens, when we've destroyed ourselves as a culture, as a as a species, then they're going to find I, I think they should they should, they should <laughs> replace that they should replace that gold record with Nixon's voice on it or whatever or whoever's on there for the podcast on. But the other thing is that you know I think part of the reason why people are so scattered and fucked up now and compartmentalized, like you say. Is because uh, our, I don't think our brains are, or maybe we can evolve into it, but our, our brains aren't equipped to deal with the amount of uh, stimuli that's in the world that we mm. have that we have now, mm. and so because we're constantly we're only using ten percent, Chris, ten percent. There's three. It's, it's, that ten percent is getting overloaded. There's ninety percent here, but but I feel like I feel like people, you know, it's. Because all information is mm-hmm. available at all times, mm-hmm. uh, and we have to manage that with our brains somehow, I think that's why people compartmentalize and they stick on to like a thing because they're like, I just need a thing because there's too much in the totem. world. They need a totem. They need a, to- a totem. A totem. A totem. They need a totem. Uh-huh. They do uh-huh. need a totem. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that I think that has a lot yeah. to do with it. Yeah. So when they were making the jug, like the, everything was a lot simpler because it was just. Oh There's well, a mountain and the stream and, and the stream and, and we you have, have a rug and you we have, have to some eat mountains. and occasionally shit and then we'll and then we have to fucking make more people and I, then and then that's I would love to know when boredom became something like when did someone have nothing to do like what time of like in our society I think boredom is as old as time itself you think I so? don't think so I think boredom they always have something to do boredom goes hand in hand with decadence. Interesting. So the first boredom was the first decadence in ancient Greece, and then the second boredom was in ancient Rome. I'm sure there's some Sumerians or Babylonians that were yeah. bored. I bet there's some Egyptian princes that were sitting around. Yeah, they going, just got on top of their How own many own virgins office. can I deflower yeah. today? Yeah. <laughs> just um, the idea that someone way back in the day, it's like, you know, like how many, like a caveman killed all you need to kill, like harvested all you need to harvest, you know, impregnated his wife and just like, ugh, bored. Yeah, you know, they always had something to do. Well, I think I think boredom probably came with consciousness, like because you can't you can't really be bored. I don't think, I don't know if you yeah. can really be bored unless you're conscious. And then, like once once you once you're conscious, then you can then you can kind of be like oh because because you're not conscious, you're just driven by your immediate needs. You yeah. know, like you not you, dying. You're not not dying, shitting. You know, like yeah. whatever. And so then when you become conscious, then you can you can willfully not do things that nature tells you you need to do. And I, so I think I think it, it's any time it is. I I do believe that boredom comes along with decadence. That you you get to a certain point where a culture creates too much plenty, where you have grain is stored up in the warehouse, and you have servants working for you, and you're of a certain class. And uh, Stevenson, will you bring me my grain, please? <laughs> and uh, and then that's that's when boredom sets in. But we're at a crossroads right now. I think humanity as a species of um, what are we about? Because every for 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 since you know 
what is the life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness? Like our country is literally based on those things, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Like people want to be happy. But what is that? What is it to be happy? Is it, is it having stuff? Is it, a, is it accruing things? Is it, you know, being left alone? Is it having hobbies? You know, collecting insects? Mm-hmm. You know, I have um, in the other room. Yeah. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, so we're at an interesting crossroads. Like, it's not working. People are miserable. They're more miserable than ever, but they they but they think that people they have are more aware of how miserable they are than ever. Not only that, because but pe- people, pe- people are told also you shouldn't be miserable. And also, people people are are able to. I mean, you know, think of thir- you know, it's funny. Like, I, like if I'm watching Mad Men or I started watching Boardwalk Empire and I watch these period pieces and people just misbehave in horrible ways, and I'm like, yes, there's no surveillance. Like their lives aren't. On display yeah. for everyone at all times. TMZ, <laughs> like TMZ. Well, it doesn't seem like it's stopping anybody because there's still people uh, because there's a camera around acting out and being crazy. Jersey Shore, YouTube, Jersey Shore. Most of the, you know all the YouTube kids. You know they're they're doing things horrible on purpose. Like that fucking jerk who was going on local news shows pretending to be hey, a yo-yo master. Sometimes what? Was, uh, <laughs> but uh, but but I honestly think that um, I, I think that you know people. Keep feeling like happiness is this, uh, like this, this uh, touchdown that they have to all of a sudden feel and spike the ball. And then sometimes you really kind of have to, because I get caught up working all the time and pursuing whatever it is that I'm pursuing. And you know, like you know, my girlfriend tells me a lot. She's like, sometimes you really just need to stop and just appreciate. You, like me and yeah, my it, vagina. It's not <laughs> <laughs> right now that you mention it. That that happens a lot. You know, it's a. It, and especially in our stuff, we're always waiting for the next thing to happen or waiting to do something. It's like, oh, I got a party on Friday. I got some work to do on Saturday. You're always waiting for that next thing to happen. And then, you know, a year will go by. And you're like, wait, what, what happened? I was just constantly waiting for something to happen, which well, brings us down yeah. to that. Because level. happiness is always around the corner. One rarely feels it. And yeah. then you think back to, like, when were you truly happy? And when you go, when you think back, like, what are the five happiest moments of, of your life? You realize that. It wasn't happiness that you were feeling. It was like profound connectedness. My happiest moments are like fishing with my son mm-hmm. when my son was born. You know, like a romantic weekend I had with my wife or something like that. But it wasn't. It wasn't like happy. Like what is that happy? Hee hee, <laughs> Roller coasters are happy. Do you I know think, what I mean? I think that real happiness is content. Or, or at least, or at least, I, I, you know, I like, I like the connection idea because I think sometimes, like when I think of. Oh, something will happen, and then I'll be happy. I, I I tend to, I guess, condense happiness into a moment. Like, oh, it's just going to be this moment of pure joy, yeah, and then from there on out, that's yeah, yeah, going to just stick with me. Exactly, well, as opposed to an experience where you know you well, sort of the, feel. The ancient Greeks had a word for it called eudaimonia, and I think this eudaimon. Eudaimonia. Oh, eudaimonia. <laughs> you just sneezed a lemon. No. I... <laughs> Whoa! You, just made a you made some sneezing snacks. It's a white um, okay, But uh, eudaimonia, if I'm saying it right, is this is what you talk about, like contentment. But it's more than that. It's like it's a deep, rich, inner soul-filled happiness. Um, and it's but it's it's a it's a kind of a profound happiness. I was going to try and look it up on my little iPhone, but I don't have an internet signal here. Oh, nor, I do. Nor will you. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I can. Uh, a little iPhone. So how do you? So so how do you find that? I mean, like do you. And well, here's the other thing is too. I think people. But this is what I, this is part of what I think that Soul Pancake is about, and what you know, kind of my life is about is is how do you how do you connect these dots to bring people to eudaimonia. 
to realize that uh, you know having material things and and you know, like the life of the guys. The Jersey Shore is a perfect example. Like those, the Jersey Shore is really the reason that show is so popular. Is like they are living the the kind of decadent dream of every young American. You know, they're just like fucking in hot tubs and drinking gallons of light beer. And they're and, just famous. And yeah, they're just, they're just fam- famous. And without famous, without for doing nothing, without merit, a friend, without a having friend, abs. A friend of mine, a friend of mine was just in Las Vegas, and they went to a. Uh, they got dragged to a club and it was packed and someone was like, the situation's here. And they went to the club and he said, everyone was a Guido. And he goes, and I thought that was a thing that people were ashamed of. And I said, yeah, but it's sort of like rednecks or nerds or like any kind of stereotypical group. Like when you, when you cluster them together and they can like, like they want to celebrate that they're really that thing, yeah. you know, because it makes it, it makes it okay. Like a Star Trek convention. Like a Star Trek convention or, or, or this, <laughs> this Guido club or, <laughs> um, but, uh, I don't know. I, I, oh, I found Eudaimonia here. It, uh, Eudaimonia is a, and by the way, Greek is a, you know, I had to take Greek and, and I went to Catholic high school, so I had to take Latin and they made us take Greek a little bit. Good. And good. Greek, Greek is an, is an interesting, ancient Greek is interesting because they have, they have like they'll have a ton of words for the same thing, but there's slight variations on the the specificity. Like the Eskimos, of, I guess so. No, they, um, they have a word for Schadenfreude. They probably do. Uh, eudaimonia is a Greek word, commonly translated as happiness. Commonly, um, uh, etymologically, it consists of the word "you," good or well-being, daimon, spirit, minor deity. All the popular use of the term happiness refers to state of mind related to joy or pleasure. Eudaimonia rarely has such connotations, and the less subjective human flourishing is often preferred as a translation. Human flourishing. Human flourishing. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. And that was this week's Chris Reed's Wikipedia. That's right. <laughs> Welcome to Hard Wikipedia. I wish one of my tweets from last week I was most proud of, which is I said, um, I tweeted, um, I printed out all of Wikipedia. <laughs> I wonder what that would take. How many million pages? I'm sure, they, I'm sure there's some kind of infographic that somebody's yeah. made. If you printed out the internet, it would be this many. It, you, you could stretch it all the way to Pluto and all the way back. So but human flourishing, does that mean just uh, constantly growing as a person? as uh, like never really going re- reverting back to anything you were before but just continuing to grow and you know what I think that I, that's interesting that you say that because I, I feel like people I think people get depressed I feel like people get depressed when um, I feel like depression is I mean unless you're talking chemical depression but just in general like sadness Chemically. you know like, um, mm-hmm. uh, like, like you, I feel like you get depressed when uh, there's excitement with no outlet so like if you get excited for something but then you don't have a way to express it then I feel like it just kind of flips over on its back and then you get depressed because you don't have a way to express mm-hmm. that energy but I think people need to keep growing in some ways and maybe that's why we're always pursuing stuff so hard because we can't ever be still but what we need to pursue is human flourishing and sometimes human flourishing comes from like not doing anything like you can take a day of you know meditation or sitting under a tree and just eating a hot dog and then you can be in you can be in that human flourishing is that what is that what you do you say you meditate when you're meditating what do you mm-hmm. what, what is is there a specific place you're trying to find or is it just a you're shutting everything off well, me personally, I meditate every day. I do, um, but the most basic kind of meditation that I can do, that I do, that most anyone can do, is you take a couple of minutes to just get in your breath and get in your body and just re- and just relax your body. And then you literally just take five or ten minutes, just put it on your iPhone, on the timer, and you just try and stop 
your thoughts. You just literally try and not think anything. It's fucking hard. And then that. thoughts will come in, and you just let them go. You just let them go like little thought bubbles. Let the bubbles just float away. And just no, don't judge it. Don't kick yourself about it. It's going to happen. It's natural. It's almost an impossible thing. Mm-hmm. But then you'll find like there's this magical sweet spot where all of a sudden there'll be like a minute or two where you're just being without thinking. And it is so... To talk about human flourishing, it gives me all of this energy. It gives me energy to get through the day and to do so much more than I could ever possibly do without the meditation. What do you think? That, what do you think is happening? I mean, do you, do you, is there is there a, is there a scientific reason for that? Or, is, or you know, you I'm sure there's there's brain scans and stuff like that. And every different meditation group has different like theories about it. For for me, from my own personal beliefs, I mean, personally, spiritually, I'm a member of the Baha'i Faith, which is another weird sounding religion by some weird fucking celebrity no not at all you, you, no, you know we talked about this years ago and uh-huh. you and you told me and the way you explained it was really nice mm-hmm. you were like listen we just are like we accept people and everyone's nice and we love people and things and that's pretty much it like well, it was, the Baha'i viewpoint is that um is unity and that unity in all things that there is only one religion that everyone on the planet is actually worshipping the same god there's only one god um and that all hum- all of humanity is one human race, mm-hmm. um, and uh, in 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 finding that commonality through you know love and service that uh, that we can that we can flourish as a species because we have to learn we have to turn a spiritual corner here or we're going to destroy ourselves. Mm-hmm. So that's what uh, that's that's what it is in a nutshell. I mean it's. That'd be a long podcast talking about that. No, no, but, no. I, I think it's I think it's good. You know, like I mean, I, I think I think it's good to talk about stuff, stuff of substance in between the uh, you know fart uh, jokes, chimp raping frog jokes, <laughs> but uh, or the tumor fucking, or the tumor, or the tumor fucking is what? another example of yes. that. Yeah, there was a, there was a time in my life where I was feeling really depressed. It was before I started doing comedy, and I was but I was living out here. I moved out here with the intention of doing comedy, and I just didn't. I just lived in San Pedro, hung out with you know bands, and went on the road and just drank all the time and I was working at a record store in Venice Beach and a Borders coffee shop in Torrance and I just did nothing and I was getting depressed all the time and I'd never been depressed before uh, yeah I grew up playing in bands in Hawaii I moved out here and I was just doing nothing not moving forward not didn't have any kind of outlet like mm-hmm. you were talking about like that one thing to release that excitement you have about anything in life and um, a weird thing that happened where I was a uh, uh, during my lunch break I would go to my favorite burrito place uh, in, in San Pedro and I'd get halfway through my burrito, and then I would start to get disappointed because the burrito was almost done. <laughs> and, and it's like, and like, and this is my favorite burrito, and I was almost done with it. And then I would be like, oh, I'm halfway done after this burrito is done. I go back to work, and I start feeling shitty again, and I don't like my life. And and I uh, I kind of had to put make this thought process of um, just, but that's not here yet. That's not your your the burrito is still here. You still have it. Like, I wouldn't be able to so enjoy You're trying to enjoy the yeah. present. You're trying yeah, to enjoy exactly. the Yeah, exactly. And, like, so I just, I called, uh, I just called, um, I would call it in my head, uh, believe in the burrito. And, <laughs> and it was just That's like, fantastic. it was just my idea of just, because, uh, like, don't let what, you know, what else, what might not happen or what might happen not bug you um, while you're just living in this one spot right now. Just enjoy the rest of the burrito and then wait and see. Yeah, you know, but don't let it ruin your fucking swordfish burrito. That is a perfect burrito. analogy for life, right there. Is just enjoying the burrito one bite at a time, as opposed to like I'm going to get. The, most of us get the burrito, are excited to eat it. All of a sudden, the burrito's gone. We don't remember eating it. 
we're full and we're unsatisfied and then we go back to the job that we hate and so we we, we just aren't living in our in our bones you know yeah. and uh have you ever listened to Eckhart Tolle or oh, read I've, Eckhart Tolle? I've, I've, I read, yeah, I listened to. Um, I was going through this period of time where I, I, I would, I was, I was just downloading any audiobook that I thought was some kind of, even if it looked like the worst sort of uh, crappy like self help book. I was like, you know yeah. what? I'm going to listen to stuff in my car because you're in your car in Los Angeles a lot. And I figured, even if it's shit, then. It's better than just listening to the same music I listen to all the time, mm-hmm. and and I can at least go, all right, that was shit, and I know that that was shit, and that's not the way you're supposed to do it. And I and I believe I, I believe I did listen to one of his books, and the Power uh, of Now, The Power of Now, really good, and uh, and or did it drive you crazy? No, it didn't drive me crazy. It didn't drive me crazy, and I and I think I listened to a book by the guy that published that book was another guy oh. that oh. there was a guy like the publishers. I, th- I feel like the guy mm. that was connected with him in some way that had that he he wrote a book about. We're all connected in some way, Chris. Yeah, exactly. Whether you publish books of other people or whatnot, <laughs> read them. But uh, but but no, and and you know because yeah, I feel like everyone's just kind of looking for for anything, anything. I kind of like the burrito. I kind of like I think the, the burrito, burrito analogy is perfect. But that's is where our culture is at. Our culture is halfway through this monstrous burrito, <laughs> and just kind of going like. Oh, our burrito is almost done. Yeah, you know, and that's that's exactly what it's we like, are. It's the search. It's like you're watching a YouTube clip and you're enjoying it and you're laughing, but then you realize, oh, it's all. Yeah, you can see where it's about to end. So then you need that next YouTube clip. Yeah, and the next you one, click on the, the next, next one. one. And then you've had five burritos and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> someone told me. Uh, someone told me once, which I thought was really interesting, that because uh, you know I'm I'm a worrier. I worry a lot. Just because I'm, I'm worried about how much you worry. Are you really? Don't oh, worry. That'll make him worry. Oh my god! Now I'm worried that you guys are worried about my worrying, but it's fine. <laughs> no, Chris, I'm not worried. No, but someone told someone told me once that uh, worry was a misuse of your imagination. And that, that's a really interesting way. Ah, that's to put cool. that because that's right. when you start getting into those kind of like worry circles, they just get worse. I had a big breakthrough. I went to I I, I go to therapy, and I, my therapist was like, "How are you feeling?" I said, "I feel anxious." And the therapist was like. Yeah, but how are you feeling? Like, well, what do you mean? I just said I'm feeling anxious. Anxiety is not an emotion. It's like, and it was like, huh? It was like, gong. It went off in my head. I never thought of that before. Right. I always, I identify myself with how much anxiety I am constantly feeling. I'm always under kind of some kind of weird anxiety. And this is why, part of me, I have to meditate because otherwise my anxiety just takes over like a weird shitstorm in my head. Yeah. And, um, uh, but I thought that was really cool because I think also I'm going to speak on the broadest terms like we as a culture too I keep going there like we're very we're ang- we're anxious we're, but underneath what is that anxiety you know it's we're consuming we're joking we're talking fast we're texting we're tweeting we're we're our, our wheels are spinning 100 miles an hour we got little duck legs under the surface of the lake paddling away but uh you know uh, what underneath that is is fear. We're just we're just afraid. That's yeah, what's, that's what's going on right now. You think we're well, afraid of course, we're but we're not in touch end. with like what's that? Do you, do you think we're just afraid of the end of whatever we're being stimulated by? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not even sure what it yeah. is. The end of something. Yeah, because yeah, I you know I spend a lot like at work I'm writing and I'm in front of a computer. So yeah, you know, I'm on. Where do you work, dude? Uh, right now I work at E. Uh, Jonah used to write. Jonah wrote for my yeah. He writes for Steve Kometko. Yes. No, right now I'm, I'm writing on a, like an E special, the 50 Celebrity Oops. 
Uh, but, uh, but it's like right better than same. 50 celebrity poops. <laughs> I don't know if it would be, actually. I don't know if it would be. That'd be really awesome. Uh, but um, Elvis got to be number one. Yeah, but I wrote it in this show, too. Um, <laughs> But the uh, Burt Reynolds was shaped like Dom DeLuise. Anyway, <laughs> spent a lot of time online, and sometimes when something happens uh, in uh, in our culture, it's just a waiting game to see how fast that will become a meme online. We were talking about this earlier with Sad Don Draper, yeah, the crying Don Draper from that episode of Mad Men, where it's like the episode came out, and then the next day there was a website dedicated to putting his face in front of you know the Hindenburg disaster or a concentration. <laughs> you know, just, uh, and so now when things happen, everyone's like, "How's that going to be mashed up or auto tuned or uh, you know a gif turned into a gif with sunglasses coming down on their face?" Yeah, you know what, what about the uh, the Dobson? What's his name? The uh, Dodson? The uh, run tell that ho 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 what is it, Andre? Andre the, uh, Dodson? Run Tell That, the Run rape, Tell That the rape, rape song. Oh, every, the, uh, the Huntsville even. Rape Song yeah, yeah, mashup. Exactly. That's the perfect uh, analogy yeah. of that, too. It's just like that thing happened and then they auto hey, He got that. a house so, out of it. Good for him. He did. I, I honestly. I kind of. I actually. That I really song. liked. And I think the song is catchy. The guy was hysterical. It was very clever yeah. to imagine. There was one, there was a kid did. that, uh, like, we put, uh, Nicole posted it on the Nerdist site where it's the guy that took the Quran. From the guy burning it, and like, dude, you have no Quran. Yeah, the attitude of that is one of my favorite things. It's, right a, it's really yeah, good, but you know, I'm a sucker. You know, I, I honestly think, I mean, I, you know, part of me wants to blame the news. The other part of me wants to blame the people. Attitude the news. <laughs> part of the part want to blame the people who consume it, but but I feel like um, you know, people forget. I feel like the, I feel like the news sort of paints the picture, this picture of the world that everything is cataclysmic and is shit. Yes. And the reason they have to do that is, and people people watch the news like like it is fact, like it is one hundred percent fact. And you know, while it is it, it is a fact based program, it's a program, and people for, I don't think people know like. Well, the news... They uh, use fear to drive eyeballs they're, they're, to the they're, TV they're, sets. They're fatalistic, yeah, exactly, because yeah. Their, their shows and their and publications... And that's why no one watches CNN, that they, don't do much, they don't do much fear-mongering on CNN. They just right. kind of go like, and next we're going to talk to the author of this person, and we're going to report on what happens in this country. So, you know, like you hear people say like, oh my God, the world is... Oh my God, we're going to hell. What about, local, going to- what about the local news? Like, the weather's looking great, and we had an opening at the movie theater, and blah, blah, blah. And next, could your couch be killing you? Yeah, exactly. Oh my God, I better watch that. Yeah, yeah. It's just, I want one of the one of the times I'm watching the news is like our local news programs creating fear. <laughs> Up next after this break, the results may surprise or yeah. kill you. Is that a real one? Was no, that that's just one? something someone should make. That's very funny. That would oh, be a thanks. very funny. Sketch. I remember that they. Um, Years ago, there was uh, there was this thing when the 105 freeway was still being built. There was a car chase, and uh, the the cops chase and they and it was you know like on every local news station, of course, because L.A. loves to. I, th- I think fucking car chases have a development deal, but it, they they chased this guy out to the 105 freeway, which was not completed yet, and so he kind of stopped where he couldn't drive any further, and he got out of his car and shot himself. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah. Uh, and it happened live on the news. And so it just it was funny to me because the next day and Matt embalmed his body. And Matt <laughs> embalmed his body, but when, they were upbeat about it. They were upbeat about it. <laughs> but uh, but it, it you know so there was this kind of uh, smug sort of the next day like well you know we're very sorry uh, that certainly was not responsible journalism and obviously we know kids had just come home from school. Yeah, and my we're, friend George. We're sorry. We're sorry that they saw that. Yeah. But remember, kids. Shouldn't have seen that here first on action. Like, they still kind of had 
this sort of smug, you know, we're the yeah. first station to atone for our atrocities. And they're like, come on, don't fucking try to take credit for apologizing for the thing you shouldn't have shown. Dude, in Hawaii, when Tyke the Elephant got shot, they showed it over and over and over again. Like, oh, just like I they, they, they talk about that with the 9 11. Like that, what the, they they figured out? Like that, all of these kids went through this intense trauma, and they're like, "What was the trauma? Watching the towers fall down over and over and over again." Right. And this whole generation of kids in the United States like went through a month where that was all that was on the TV it was just yeah. people dying, people dying, people dying, people dying. Can I tell you if there's actually a weird story about that? Is there? Were, and this is, I mean, I, I was on a I was on a plane September 11th at JFK Airport. And we were supposed oh. to take off. I was on an American Airlines flight. I was supposed to come back to LA because I was working in New York. And the pilot came out. Like, we weren't taking off. And it was like, what's going on? The pilot came out. And he's almost crying. And he was like, two planes have, have flown into the Twin Towers. And, and no one really had a concept of what that was yet. I think people were kind of like, huh? wait, crop dusters? And I mean, there's, yeah. like, there's no crops. But like, yeah. it's tiny what? And then you turn around and you can see the plumes of smoke coming off the towers. And, and so there was just complete pandemonium. And like, they're getting people out of the airport. And you're hearing all this information as people are running past. Where oh, they're like, wow. they just attacked the Pentagon. And then they just attacked it. And so it really feels like... It, like to be at that airport at that time when they're evacuating the airport, like people are just getting on shuttles. All the hotels are full. You, there's no place to go. Of just kind of having this moment of like, all the rental cars are gone. This is it. Yeah. Like this is it. This is this is it. And then uh, that night, someone from the production that I was working on found me at, at some hotel in Queens where I couldn't even get a room. I was just kind of sitting in the, I was just kind of sitting in the diner there, like heavily drinking, and because uh, it was I was so freaked out. And we went back to this apartment of a guy who was a you know one of the production guys on the on the uh, the show I was working on, and I, every channel was just that the tower was falling over. One channel, and I can't remember what it was. I want to say maybe it was TBS was showing Grease too. <laughs> <laughs> and it was the best fucking movie I had ever seen wow. because it was just a moment's respite from yeah. Just all the horribleness. I watched Grease 2 and I was like crying and singing the songs. Oh. Like it was such a weird, intense experience. They like counter programming. Someone at TBS, so whatever, I don't know if it was TBS, I can't Thank say. Thank you. But some, someone, at, someone at that, yeah, someone if at that station was like, nah, let it yeah. play. No, I like to think it's like they saw it happen, they're like, well, what are we going to do? I have just the idea. And then they both pull out keys and they put them in the thing and they turn them at the same time and they bring out their copy of Grease 2. <laughs> Our scientists at the Pentagon have determined that Grease 2 is just the right amount of pap and non-comedy to pull people out of a deep depression. Reproduction. It's got Michelle Pfeiffer in it. On 9-11, I was working at the uh, record store in Venice Beach, and uh, it was a Tuesday, so it was new release day. So there was these people just coming in, because that's the, what they knew what to do with that day. Yeah. They just would wander in in this fog, and it was it was so weird. It was just kind of like... You know, and like that whole thing with Dawn of the Dead. It's like, why are they coming to the mall? It's just they don't, that's what they did. Right. So there's these people, like zombies coming in, and then just looking at the new release wall, and then it, like a lot of guys came in, because, you know, it's Venice, a lot of suicidal Tennessee kind of metal guys are still there, and then I was like, I'll take uh, that Slayer album, God Hates Us All. <laughs> oh, no. Pretty messed up what happened today, huh? Thanks, I'll take this. Thank you. See you later. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that was God, the God, last... Slayer's God Hates Us All came that out. That was the on. last English class I went to, because I was in college, and uh, it happened during my English class, and, and we are like, oh, you guys can go. And I never went back to that English You took class. an 8 a.m. class? It was, uh, yeah, I think it was 8, 8 o'clock, yeah, on Monday, or Tuesday. It was 8 o'clock Tuesday. 
Wow. And we were in class, and then we went on our... Everybody got to go on break, and we went on, we went on a break. I had to shoot a beer commercial. <laughs> oh, no. So everyone's... The, it was either the next day or two days Making after. Making it right! <laughs> a Rolling Rock commercial. Um, and it was so weird, because we had to be jovial and pretending to be drinking beer and eating pizza and joking around. And, uh... I remember going to Zoolander, what was it, the weekend or two weekends after that, and being the only one, it was a full theater, and I was cracking up laughing, and no one else was really laughing. And oh, really? Like, no, 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 this is funny. Why are you not? Well, it's not that funny. <laughs> I, mean, I think they're not laughing because the movie is more funny. I think maybe you're more scarred I than stand you realize. by Zoolander. I like the idea of being like in a beer commercial with you guys like, hey, let's go in there and have a party at that house we don't own. What's the worst that could happen? All right. The towers could fall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, everyone's crying. Everyone's crying. We're all good. Three, two, one. It's like that Mr. Show sketch where they're at that party to celebrate the Challenger launch. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh no! You know when you think about it, aren't we really just rolling rocks through life? Isn't that really what we are? Isn't that what we fucking are, you guys? That's really. But you did the commercial. I did the commercial and paid my rent for half a year. Nice. So uh, now that we now that we've come out of come out of all that, are you? Because you're obviously you're at a point. Let's talk about AIDS. <laughs> How's the office? <laughs> I want to know. I want to know. Just um, and then you know we'll 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 wrap it up in a, in a few minutes. But now I'm always curious, like where where people are kind of satisfied, you know, because you put these set these goals in your mind, like you know, I want to do this with my career, and I want to have this with my family, and I want to, you know, and it seems like it seems like you've hit probably a lot of those things that you always wanted to hit. You know, you're mm-hmm. on a successful show, people, you know, people love your work, and your 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 wife, by the way, Holiday is a fucking genius. Like I. I, oh, thank you for uh, saying that. She's such a super cool, super smart woman that um, I imagine that your your son Walter is just probably like a pulsating brain. Yeah, he is. Of, of He's like a brain with legs. So you, you know, like... <laughs> oh, oh my God, no, Jonah, that's not literal. You're taking it literally. <laughs> He's still a person. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, like, what do you... Do you, like what? What is? What is it? Does it feel like what you thought it would feel like? Do you still? Are you still like? Ah, I'm not really there yet. Because a lot of people get what they want, and then they feel like they're not yeah, there. Dude, it's it's been so crazy because I wasn't. You know, I did theater for ten years before I ever came to L.A. I never got over twenty grand in a year. There we are talking about money. Um, <laughs> I'm very comfortable. Um, and then uh, and then I came out here and I did House of a Thousand Corpses and like. Charmed and some episodes, some crappy episodes and crappy pilots and That's stuff like Galaxy that. Galaxy Quest, Galaxy Quest, classic, oh, a good movie. Um, and uh, and it's uh, it's beyond my wildest dreams. I just wanted to be a working actor. That's all. I had no ambition towards like celebrity or stardom or, or anything like that. I just wanted to like, I just wanted to make a living. So it's it's all gravy, you know. It's um, it's amazing, you know, of, of what I get to do. So. You know what's what's in store for me now? I don't know. I'll do a couple more years in the office, and then, you know, maybe I'll go back and do some plays, and hopefully get cast in some movies, and then eventually do some other TV shows. I'm really lucky. I'm really lucky that I get to make a living as an actor. It's is it even more scary when you kind of get to a certain point um, where you can you you go from well, I better just take any job that comes along because I want to work. Mm-hmm. 
and then you go to people just offering you things and then is there kind of an insecurity of like what if I take the wrong thing or what if you know like there are just so many factors that make a project good yeah so oh, well you know it's you know I've kind of lived that I mean I I was in one of the biggest box office bombs in Hollywood history which was The Rocker and I was you know I was just no that couldn't have been really no, yeah absolutely it had um it had a, one of the wide. It had a wide release. It had like two thousand some screens and like the lowest screen average of like any movie ever. Literally, like it was on two thousand screens, and there were like there were like eight people in every theater. And then the, the animated movie came out that took that back. Don't worry about it. Remember that animated movie that had a wide release, the computer animated movie. And yeah, that fifty seven dollars. Oh, I wonder what yeah, you're talking yeah. about. That was that. Was that's the number one. one. Dogwood or something. But we're but Rocker is up there with that, and it. Were you so, meditating that next day? Like, do you oh, take that on? Or you... Yeah, I took it on. It was hard. I was I was really depressed for months after that. I mean, it was hard. You know, this great story is like, I love Kevin and Bean, and you know, yeah, 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 obviously. And um, Los I Angeles was, radio DJs, very nice. I was driving in the day after, like the Monday after the weekend. The rocker came in twelfth for the weekend. Um, and uh, out of like there were like three or four new releases The Rocker was one of them and it came in 12th which means it was beaten by like just the worst dreck and um, I was driving into the office it was like 5 o'clock in the morning it was pitch black outside I was driving really depressed and Kevin and Bean were on the radio and they are like so what's going on with the movies what, well wait a minute Where's what happened to Rain's movie where's Rain's movie Oh no! Oh, Number twelve. Oh no! It made two point eight million over the weekend. Oh, that's gotta hurt. Oh man, it bombed. What a bomb! Oh man. Well, poor guy. You know, it's like when Fraser did that Periscope movie. Oh, yeah. down the and, love. No. Um, and uh, there I was driving down the freeway. I was like. Oh my god, I'm going to drive off this embankment. Cuz oh, no. I really like I really believed in the movie and I still do. It's a very good movie and uh and and now people are getting to see it cuz it's on constant run on HBO and people are picking up DVDs and stuff like that. So and it's cool, but it was it was pretty devastating for a while. Wow. Oh man. Yeah. So what do you I guess ultimately you just kind of resolve yourself to that's going to happen sometimes and you and you and you move yeah, past it. Yeah. You know, my, my you know, the phone from the the, the the, the movie studios stopped calling, and uh, and that's fine. And then eventually someday they'll they'll call again. But I've been doing these indie films, and that's the thing. A lot like, of other fun projects. That's that the thing are, is that you're at the core of it. You're a good actor, so you like you can still you can still act. It's it's not like it's not like someone who just got famous because they got put on a show by total happenstance. Yeah, what was that? Uh, the MTV movie, the rea- Justin meets Justin oh Ke- uh, Kelly Kelly loves. Justin and from Justin to Kelly. From Justin yeah. to Kelly, yeah. signed Justin, right? <laughs> they, should, they should still do that every year. Have the runner and runner up and winner of American Idol be in a movie. Uh, did you? See- <laughs> maybe use the same plot. Maybe use the same plot <laughs> every year. Really the, um, did you see the cover of the Vanity Fair? I tweeted about it today. No. Uh, the cover of Vanity Fair is uh, of this month is uh, Lindsay Lohan. Oh yeah, I uh, yeah. So mm-hmm. that's how you get famous. Is uh, Get you know, get famous young, do drugs, get arrested, and you'll be on the cover of Vanity. Well, and you know the thing—the thing that I always get so upset about is, is, is like to see like, to see like Paris Hilton or 
or Kim Kardashian or someone like that on a fucking like on Seventeen magazine or whatever. It's like is that really the role model you want to yeah. put out yeah. there for girls? Yeah. I mean, maybe they're very nice people. I don't know them at all, but I just sort of feel like. It's it, like that's you know where, where's the substance for some like why does a why does a little girl have to look up to that I don't know yeah, yeah. kind of bugs well, me well, a little sex bit. tapes were good career moves for yeah hey you can always fuck your way to the top right guys right. That, that's what that well, says to me when are we having a nerdist sex tape <laughs> what do you think I'm growing this mustache for <laughs> <laughs> um, well Rain uh, it has been a, thanks for having me pleasure to have really you quick on the for, the, for the indie rock nerds out there I want to point out that he's wearing a neutral milk hotel shirt oh my god I didn't uh, realize you were wearing a neutral milk hotel yeah, shirt yeah, I'm, sure, I'm sure the nerds will go a little nutty for that once there you go I, I love I, it I, I have a uh, so much oh, fuck I probably shouldn't well let's just say uh, in the time of Napster uh, <laughs> I have a lot of Neutral Milk Hotel songs that uh, where the, the title of the song is in all small letters and they're mashed together and there's underscores in it because it was you know, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, pirate. right the pirated no I didn't pirate it I'm saying <laughs> I wanted it to uh, I'm going to see Pavement on Thursday I'm going oh, to that really? show too I, went, I drove up to uh, um, uh, Berkeley to go see them at the Greek up there. Wow. And it's, uh, By the way, did they, did they get him to the Greek? They, they did. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I just want to make sure. Uh, well, they never came to Hawaii, which is where I grew up, so I never I never got to see him. I moved out here after they broke up, so yeah. it's been really cool to be able to see them. I saw him uh, in 93 at the Black Cat in Washington, D.C. Oh, wow. Nice. Is that where you grew up? Indie music cred. Did you grow up? <laughs> no, no, no. I was I was doing a play in the theater. I just gotten out of college. I was like twenty four years old. President Lincoln's here to see the show. <laughs> was it our American cousin? Yes, yes. <laughs> um, so your book comes out November second, and it's yes. a Soul Pancake. Soul book. Pancake, the book. And can people pre-order that? They can pre-order it anywhere they want. Just go to you know what Amazon or wherever they want. And, yes, and uh, and I, I get this old pancake, the weekly spoonful. Uh, okay. and it's really it's really cool. And, oh, cool. And it, you know, and I, we don't get to hang out that that often, but uh, but I always have had such fond uh, memories of our time together all those years ago. I too. on the little film that could House of a Thousand Corpses. That's Rain. right, Chris Hardwick. Doctor <laughs> uh, Satan. Doctor Satan. <laughs> Dr. Satan. Dr. Satan. Dr. Satan, everyone. Uh, pre Dr. Satan, Dr. Satan. Dr. Satan, Dr. Satan. <laughs> Enjoy your burrito. Enjoy your burrito, America. Enjoy your fucking burrito. And your Eskimo pot. Good night. <laughs> now leaving Nerdist.com. Nancy's love story could have been ripped right out of the pages of one of her own novels. She was a romance mystery writer who happens to be married to a chef. But this story didn't end with a happily ever after. When I stepped into the kitchen, I could see that Chef Brophy was on the ground and I heard somebody say, call 911. As writers, we'd written our share of murder mysteries. So when suspicion turned to Dan's wife, Nancy, we weren't that surprised. The first person they look at would be the spouse. We understand that's usually the way they do it. But we began to wonder, had Nancy gotten so wrapped up in her own novels... There are murders in all of the books. ...that she was playing them out in real life? You can listen to Happily Never After, Dan and Nancy, early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts.